When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. playing slow so we're playing through hosted by bob baloo and carl nicholson brought to you by horseshoe bay resort play the famous texas triangle championship golf at its finest horseshoe bay resort good saturday morning to you austin texas and welcome inside another edition of playing through right here on the horn brought to you by horseshoe bay resort i am bob baloo good morning bob i am carl mickelson austin texas great to be with everyone great to be back with you bob after a week's absence it was great to have memorial day weekend off but we missed a ton of golf talk so i'm excited to dive back into it with you my man it's funny we uh i kind of have missed two weeks because the week before that was our als event and um i was i was kind of losing my mind going crazy chicken with my head cut off whatever word you want to use and um I can let's just start there real quick because we did uh we did raise one hundred seventy seven thousand dollars for the ALS Association of Texas. We are now over the one point one million mark. Uh we went over the million dollar mark this year for our nine years of the tournament. So a big congratulations to everyone involved. We are pushing hard to find a cure for ALS. Um yesterday was Lou Gehrig Day around Major League Baseball. So uh, another great chance to kind of put that at the forefront and and help people understand what what people go through when they get ALS so uh, I know we've talked a lot about it in the last couple months but but really a, a big congratulations to everyone involved with our tournament for raising so much money and and helping out as many ALS patients and as much ALS, ALS research as we do um, but in that sense Carl we've missed I've missed basically two weeks and in that span we've had a, another major we've had some incredible stories come out of those and I don't – it's kind of funny. It's like where do you start when you start talking about all these guys? The memorial's going on this weekend. There are some stories there that I want to get into, um, including Dylan Fratelli, former Texas Longhorn, uh, who who withdrew. I think there's some interesting nuggets and, and information going on with him too. Um, but, I, you know, I, I kind of want to start with this, Carl. There – you know, with everything that's happened with Live Golf. Yeah. Um, it the live golfers have proven that a little less golf in a tournament doesn't make them any worse for the wear actually kind of maybe helps them a little bit and to see what phil did at the masters to see what some of those other guys did at the masters and then to see brooks kepka win at the pga championship you're starting to see more come out that says well we're gonna have to coexist and I know that was going to yeah. take a while. That's that was something of just the process of everything that went on with with the way this this started out. And I'm not saying the PGA Tour is going to relent on a lot of things, but you can't have a Ryder Cup without the best players in the world. You can't have a major championship without the best players in the world. And some of these guys are proving. Some of them are also proving they are no longer very relevant. But for the most part, we're seeing 
Um, Brooks Kepka proved that he is, uh, when he is healthy, he is one of the best three golfers in the world. And we're going to have to figure out, this is where the discussion is going to start kind of getting interesting because we're going to have to figure out ways to get these guys um, somehow involved in every big event. Is that fair? I think that's completely fair. And I don't think anybody was naive enough to think that I know Brooks Koepka was injured when he went to live, but we knew that Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, Bryson DeChambeau and, and, and Brooks were world-class players. Their game wasn't going to deteriorate just because they were playing three rounds in shorts rather than 72 in pants. I mean, that, <laughs> that wasn't really going to be, there's no athletic or scientific data that supports that, but it is interesting to see these guys, you, because the assumption would be that they're not tournament tough. I mean, Phil Mickelson for years would, would would insist on playing the week before a major, so he was tournament sharp. There were all these philosophies on what you should do leading into the most important tournaments of the year. And now what if golf takes the marathon runner approach to, to, to prep for majors, to prep for, for serious events that they want to excel in? Marathon runners don't run the 26 point, whatever two whatever it is every day to train for a marathon. I think they run like seven, then six, then 13, then seven again. And they never run the whole, the full 26 before they go into a marathon. Maybe the, the, the data monkeys are going to figure out that maybe golfers can, can play their peak. Because if you look at, if you look at tournament data, there's always three really good rounds and the guys are at the top of the leaderboard. And then that one 73, 74, 70, if, if there's a course they're going low on. But almost there's almost never four rounds in the 60s unless they're playing one of the courses that's sort of built for, you know, speed. Right. Um, and there are those courses. But it's interesting. It's usually there's three, you know, for the guys in the top 10, top 20, there's, they all generally have three really good rounds, one exceptional round, and one you could probably just throw out. Um, there might be something to this. There might not, but it's quite interesting. And more importantly, you, you, what what you're leading to is you can't overlook if these guys are going to continue to play well in majors. If you're Zach Johnson, you have to look seriously, not controversially, just seriously at Brooks Kapka being one of the key cogs on your Ryder Cup team. Oh, no doubt. Um, I, I I mean, think about this. There were. Uh, 11 players under par at the PGA championship mm -hmm. and Brooks Kepka was at nine, Scotty Shuffler, seven, Victor Hovland, seven. And I think those are your, you know, those are your three guys, the way it looks right now. I mean, Victor Hovland's playing great golf, uh, continues to, to show up at every event. Um, Scotty's obviously number one player in the world. So if you're the Americans, you're like, okay, so we we know kind of what our base of the team's going to be, but then Bryson DeChambeau shoots three under at the PGA Championship, and he's played terrible golf this year for the most part. That's where I think some of this stuff's going to become even more interesting because of because of a guy like Bryson DeChambeau who hasn't played all that well on the Live Tour, and then he shows up at a major and, and shoots three under. Phil Mickelson shows up at a major and, and at, at the Masters and plays really well, like that. For Zach Johnson and and the and the assistant coaches, those decisions are going to be really tough, um, because how how do you how do you figure out it's it's it was almost it was almost as hard a decision or it was almost 
an easy decision when you were, you know, Steve Stricker, Jim Furyk, you know, those guys that were making these picks, it was kind of made for them. Like you had your 10 guys or eight guys. Well, I can't remember if it's eight. Is it eight or 10? And then you have the four. Is it two captain picks or four captain picks? I think it's at least four captain picks now. Yeah. So, so you've got your picks and you're like, well, it's pretty obvious here who I'm going to take. You know, there were years where you're like, yeah, this guy may not be there, but I mean, he's, a, he's our guy. Like we're going to, we're going to take him. Um, I just think it's, it's almost easy. You've got, you don't have like a big group of guys that you're going to try to make picks from. Well, now you do. Um, now you've got to, you've got to decide like, is a guy who's been playing on the, on the live golf tour. It's six. Sorry. I just had to look that up. I, so, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, but as soon as soon as we said four, I, I think the last conversation I had, it's gone to six now. I think that's why it's even more fascinating, right? So, so think about it this way. Daniel Berger, Harris English, Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler, and Jordan Spieth were the, were the captain's picks, okay? So uh, you kind of yeah. think about it at the time. I mean, Xander, Scotty, and Jordan were the, the obvious of obvious. I, if I remember correctly, Tony Finau was pretty obvious too. And the decision kind of came down to like Daniel Berger, Harris English, and maybe one or two other guys. Well, you get in that scenario now and you're going to have one or two other guys that are playing really well in the PGA Tour that have played a lot, that are in a good groove that you feel good about. And then you're going to look over and say, we've already got Brooks on the team. He's obviously going to be a captain's pick, but Bryson's look what Bryson's doing at majors in big moments. Look what Phil Mickelson's done. And I, I don't necessarily think Phil will be a captain's pick, but maybe he will. Maybe he gets to that point. I, it, to me, this is going to make it a lot tougher on Zach Johnson when we get to the Ryder Cup. And more so, it's going to make it tough to figure out what the right answer is as these guys move forward with Liv and PGA Tour kind of trying to coexist, but the PGA Tour not in any way wanting to relent on some of the things that, you know, that it's set, set forth when this whole thing started. Yeah, it's it's really going to be an interesting few months because there's going to be the faction that looks at this strictly politically. I mean, you're either wearing the color of coat as Brandel Chambly, <laughs> or or you're just side of on kind of on the side of pragmatism, kind of kind of where you and I have landed over these long months, maybe a couple of years now, as we've talked about live as if you're going to make the sports washing arguments, you're going to have to come with your, you know stakes of fire at the NFL, at the NBA, at, at, at Premier League soccer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if if you put that aside, I think you you just have to basically look at the X's and O's and the players and, and how, how you build the best team. And at the end of the day, I think what you're seeing more and more is is these these guys from the Live Tour and the PGA Tour getting together, not really, I mean, not really being – I see to each other. I know there was the one incident with Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy, and the, the, one snubbed the other, and Patrick threw a tee at him. And I, you don't know how playful that is, or how you know how just weird and awkward it is. Uh, but but that's an isolated incident, right? I mean, the, I think like, it's an Rory, isolated Rory incident. And, Rory and Brooks are great friends because we saw him talking after the PGA Championship. I think there's more of that than there is anybody just thinking, well, those are the, those are the sharks and the jets, or those are the the guys that we can't talk to, or we can't be friends with, you know, like my daughter in middle school, like, Oh, she doesn't sit at our lunch table. I don't know if, if we can invite her to the, 
to the shindig. Um, (laughs) I really don't think you're seeing as much of that as as the media plays up. I think these guys are okay with each other, and you're seeing it more and more. I mean, uh, Scotty Scheffler, again, was one of the guys. All these guys are being asked, you know, what do you want the composition of the Ryder Cup to be? And they're all saying the best guys, the best dudes that we can go out there and win with. Because yeah, nobody wants to lose. Nobody, not, not either side wants to go over there and lose. And again, the best, I think that's the best point, Carl, because that's, when it yeah. comes down to it, that's what they're going to care about most. They're not going to care about Liv or PGA or anything else. They want to they beat the Europeans. Yeah. And again, we talked about it a few weeks ago. It's why these majors all of a sudden feel more heightened. It's almost like there's this mysterious X factor to majors because we're not getting enough sample size. We're not, even if you watch Liv, even if you can find Liv on, on your local cable provider or on YouTube or wherever that wherever it's easier to see them play, you don't get a sense of how Brooks is playing and how Bryson, what, how Bryson DeChambeau's game is coming along and all these little nuances with Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith until the majors. So it's like, it's like Christmas morning, every majors, because you've got the guys that you've seen trending, you know, what Scotty's doing, you know, what John Rahm is doing, you know, the guys that are emerging on the tour, the Patrick Cantlay's, the Jordan, the Xander Shoffley's, Jordan Speed, Justin Thomas. But these guys are just sort of like coming out of, you know, seemingly nowhere in terms of, I mean, they're not, but, they're off our radars and then they're, they're on in the most profound ways. So, I, and again, I mean, you're, you're not going to build a Ryder cup team or anything other significant off of shot link data or, or re- official world golf ranking points. It's it, that's, I don't think those are the key factors. You know, who you, you know who you can win with and you, you, you know, who's good in the locker room and you know, who gives you the best chance to to you know uh, seize or maintain the cup and that's that, that's what it comes down to so i i think that's sort of become the lightning rod i mean there's certainly there's more events than the Ryder cup where, where there are implications but we don't get to see these dudes as much so it, it's we we it's brooks has has pushed it into the forefront you know and it's it's a little weird because you've got greg norman eating it up and some people hate that and some people can't stand it and don't want to reconcile themselves to being on that side of things, but it's very interesting. It's, I mean, it's, it's the most, probably maybe the most fascinating thing that could have happened is, is a live player winning a major, doing it decisively. There being no question, you know, uh, there wasn't the, the uh, rules flap like there was at the masters or any, any, anything like that. It's all, it's all clean, all above board. And, well, and, and think about this too, Carl. I mean, if you if you take the if you looked at Ryder Cup points right now for the, for Team USA, I mean, it's and this is it's kind of funny to look at it this way because you're like, yeah, this is loaded. Like this team is just absolutely loaded. But it's right. in, and this is in order. It's Scheffler, Kepka, Homa, Shoffley, Cantlay, Cam Young, Spieth, Burns, Morikawa, Justin Thomas. I mean, that's silly. And is that the automatic? Is that automatic? No, that's just the first. The top, yeah, the top six of those are automatic, and then Spieth, Burns, Morikawa, Justin Thomas are are seven, eight, nine, ten. So then you've got to make two more picks after that, and then that's where I'm saying it's going to get really interesting because right. let me just give you a few of these names. I think it's really interesting. Eleven, Kurt Kitayama. Uh, Twelve, Will Zalatoris, who obviously isn't playing. Wyndham Clark, thirteen. Tony Finau, fourteen. Chris Kirk, fifteen. Harris English, sixteen. Sahith Tigala, 17, Keegan Bradley, 18. So you're, 
it's a bunch of names. I mean, it's, it's guys that have played really well, obviously, but, but some interesting names in that mix that you say, okay, for our Ryder cup team, are we going to have Kirk Kitayama or Bryson DeChambeau? Like those are the decisions. It's going to come down to some really interesting, like things we would have never thought would have been a decision are all of a sudden going to become a decision because of the way Kirk Kitayama's played and the way that like, this has all gone down. So uh, I know we're not to that point quite yet, but it, it, it really is going to be interesting to see how this how this shakes shakes out. And suddenly, I don't feel so sorry for Zach Johnson, right? I mean, when you, when you read those, when you, you go top to bottom on those names, it, it's not like you're going to put put a shaky uh, Ryder Cup team out there. It's 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 going to be solid. It's and going it, to be it's solid. It's almost like don't mess this up more than it is, you know. Like, and that's. And to me, that's what that's what's going to make it an interesting part of it for Zach Johnson is you've got that talent that you have that I just named off in that top 10. And now you've got to decide from a chemistry standpoint. Does it just make more sense to put Tony Finau on the team with Kirk Kitayama and guys that aren't going to they'll play well and they're not going to ruin our locker room or Bryson? And then we get over there and Bryson has some kind of issue and then we're all of a sudden like our locker room's getting, you know, like the or Phil even filled to that point of all this drama that surrounds these guys, you know, deserved or not all the drama that comes with them. I've got to make a decision whether or not, you know, yeah, there are, it's, is it the best player? Yeah. But is it best for our locker room? Probably not. And that's where I think it's going to become like a, okay, Zach, don't mess this up more than it is. Oh, let's see what kind of pick he makes here. I think you just kind of know, like some of this stuff is pretty simple. Like just take the guy that, Take Tony Finau. He's been there before. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to cause problems. Yeah, so I think some of those decisions are going to be fundamental. I I, I think obviously you look at who, who's the best guy to help you win, but also who's going to bring the the, the least amount of drama, you know, the wrong kind of drama to 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 the event, to the scenario. Do me indulge me for a second, Bob. I want to take you on a quick journey. Can can you rattle off the the those those top twelve names again? The top twelve. Yeah, yeah. and twelve is Will Zalatoris. So um that's not that's obviously not a uh that's that well, was not gonna happen because he's not gonna play. With injury, yeah. So the top the top twelve, uh lacking Will Zalatoris at twelve, Scheffler, Kepka, Homa, Shoffley, Cantley, Cam Young, Spieth, Burns, Morikawa, Justin Thomas. That's the top 10. 11, Kirk Kitayama, 13, Wyndham Clark. And where's Finau? 14. Okay, so I want to take people always talk about comparing eras. I, I, I want to underscore just exactly where we are in professional golf right now, how deep and how strong it is. This is the 2006 American Ryder Cup team Tom Lehman, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Jim Furyk, Chad Campbell, David Toms, Krista Marco, Vaughn. Taylor. On Taylor. J.J. Henry. Zach Johnson. Brett Wetterick. Captain's picks were Stuart Sink and Scott Verplank. Not knocking those guys. Some of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. How bad did they win the Ryder Cup? They, 2006, <laughs> I think they lost. Did they lose? This was, it was in Ireland. Europe won 18. Oh, they got smoked. Yeah. 18, nine and a half. Yeah. And that's, again, it's, it's funny you say it that way because you're, what you're, 
what you're saying there is you hear those names and you go Brett Wetterick and Vaughn Taylor and JJ Henry, all good golfers in their own right. They've made a great mm-hmm. living on the PGA tour. JJ Henry still plays. We still see him around. Like they've, they've all made a great living, but what we're seeing now is so far and away much better than what we had in 2006. It's incredible. Oh yeah. So when you talk about, well, what about the product or, 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 or what, what about the depth of the tour? What, what about elevated events between the regular events? You've got 200 stalking beasts playing the tour, playing the tour right now. I mean, uh, Emiliano Grillo just, just won an event after seven years of not winning an event. You've got guys coming up that, that are, that are going to be on this tour for a long time, coming from the Canadian ranks, coming from, the the Central American tours, you know, just really getting their their skin tough out on the Corn Ferry tour. If you just watch the NCAA championships, you know some of those guys are coming. So it's just again, not to knock anything or the state of the game in 2006, but I I used to walk down the hallway at, at Dave Pelson's house and he had a Phil Mickelson signed flag, and I'm like, Brett Wetterick was on the Ryder Cup. Vaughn Taylor was on the Ryder Cup. Yeah. You know, it was just one of what you know, JJ Henry. Um, it was one of those things where it's like, wow, you know, it had to be t- with only two captains picks that had to be challenging, even though you've got Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson and, and uh, Jim Furyk in his prime. Uh, really interesting. Tom Lane. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. To, it is crazy yeah. to look at it that way. I mean, it really is. And um and then we're in a we are in a, a different time for US golf right now. It's pretty special to see. All right, we gotta take a break. When we come back, we're gonna get into much more of uh some of the, some of what happened at Memorial this weekend. Um and the UT men's and women's golf teams seasons come to an end. Uh we'll get into all that when we come back. This is playing through on the horn brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. Carl, have you been out to Horseshoe Bay recently? It's been a while. I'm due. I have been working with closely with Brian Woodward, and he tells me that the beer by the bay. Festival is going to be an all-timer again this year. So that's that's lining up for later this summer. Uh great lineup. Great, you know, just great new new water features out on on Lake LBJ out there. Beer by the Bay is going to be Easton Corbin and and Eli Youngban as Love the that Eli Youngban's gonna be there. Yeah. So yeah, so just agree. And, and obviously the undercard is all always good there. Uh, but tons of great reasons to just to get out to horseshoe bay the amenities just keep going up and up and up at the yacht club there along the beach you know you, they've got obstacle courses you know giant inflatable swimming pools out on it like lbj they just want you to have a good time that's all i want to have a good time i think i should I think you know that. that's, that's all they're trying to facilitate what everybody wants they just want to have fun we'll let the hair down they want to relax they want to forget about life that's what happens. You just make the once your car kind of goes dips and ups and down seventy one, and you kind of get past Spicewood a little bit. Blood pressure just drops a little bit, and once you get into Horseshoe Bay, it's a whole other feeling. You just you walk a little lighter, sun's on your shoulders, and everything there is built to make you have a good time. They made the uh, the Bronco driving experience uh, available. That used to just be available to Ford dealers and. Uh, I think salesmen, VIPs, and people that won contests and things like that. No, but you can you can drive through that crazy terrain out there. You know, the people that own Horseshoe Bay owned all a ton of other ranch land out in that beautiful hill country area between there and Lano. And that driving course is just crazy to go. But between the rocks and dry creek beds and 
make your Bronco just climbing up and down those cave walls is, is a pretty amazing experience uh, to do. So that's just one more new thing that sets Horseshoe Bay apart from other resort experiences. There's just so much to do out there. It's a blast every time you go. We encourage you to get out there, hsbresort.com. Tell them Bob and Carl sent you. Stay with us. We got more to come. This is Playing Through on the Horn. Saturday morning to you, Austin, Texas. Welcome inside another edition of Playing Through on the Horn, brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. He's Carl Mickelson, and I'm Bob Ballou. A lot of Ryder Cup talk way in advance of what the Ryder Cup is. Uh, something we would probably get into months from now, but we just we took a took a left turn and went down that road, and it was a good one because it's it's fun to hear some of the guys that are playing really well right now. Carl wanted to get into something first and foremost. Um, you know, Texas won the national title in men's golf last year. John Fields uh, guides the the program back to the national championships this year. They finished out of the top 15, so they didn't make the match play portion. They didn't make the final round of the stroke play portion either. But at one point during that that round, they had to get in the top 15, and they were five under for the day, um, playing some really good golf, and then it kind of turned the other way. They finished five over and uh, and finished a few spots. I think they were six, what is that, 16, like 18, 19th, somewhere in there. And yeah, but I got to understand that there there was a thin margin. They, they were they were on the bubble for making it through, and just just needed a few things to go their way that did not. It was it's closer than it sounds, right? Yeah, and they and listen, it's a super young team. Uh, you think about Keaton Vo and Jacob Sosa and Christian Moss. They had Brian Stark come in as a grad transfer. Um, Mason Nome off that national championship team last year. Travis Vick was not a part of the of the national championship. So, you, you know, you, you lose a lot when you're, when you're talking about Parker and Pearson Cootie and Cole Hammer and Travis Vick, four of your five guys from your national championship team aren't back. And yet you still make it to the national championships. That's pretty impressive. And they've got a bright future ahead of them. There's some really good golfers on that team. Brian Stark's going to come back for another year. So um, they, they're in good shape. They're, they're going to continue to develop, continue to grow. And uh, I, I have a feeling that we're going to, you'll see even more competition as he brings in more players and, um, but but Texas golf is is still in great shape. Congratulations to John Fields on making the national championships. Congratulations to Ryan Murphy on making the national championships as well. The Horns go to the quarterfinals for the third time in the last four years. Uh, lost to A and M. Uh, pretty pretty incredible. I was, you know, you I don't I never really know the best way to to say this because it's kind of a um, it's an interesting dilemma. But the final match of the day was Bentley Cotton against um Haley Cooper and Haley Cooper of course used to play at Texas and then she transferred right. and they're really good friends uh like close friends and as much fun as it would have been for it to come down to that match you also kind of don't want it to come down to that match sometimes in that in that situation uh you know I'm sure Bentley and Haley would have loved it uh but it it was over before it got there so they were on right. the, in the middle of 18 fairway and AM closed it out 4-1. But um just a, a spectacular event. It really it's it, it's become such a great event. And Texas is there every year. So congratulations mm-hmm. to Coach Fields. Congratulations to Coach Murphy on a on a spectacular run into the NCAA championships. 
but this kind of leads me into something unless you if you want to say something go ahead i didn't want to no i it is a spectacular event you know i've been fortunate through something called the college golf experience which helps junior golfers find their pathway to recruiting you know getting on the radar of recruits so i've gotten to meet guys like jc deacon who just led Florida to the national championship. I also got to, got to get reacquainted with Garrett Chadwell, the AM coach and things like that. So um, it's just cool to, to see these guys grind through the off season, through the long season, have such potential in their teams. And then we talk about slim margins. I mean, just how close it is and how, how tough match play is. But I, I think you said it in the, that match that, you know, that stroke play qualifying into match play, uh, with the final eight teams, it, it is really solidified this as, as a must-watch event. I mean, the Golf Channel does a good job covering it, but there's, I mean, I just remember you and I texting back and forth last year when Texas was grinding it out and just, just how back and forth and how tight, how every shot matters. You can't look away from some of these matches and it's just becoming one of the great golf events on the calendar. It really is. It's it's a lot of fun and i I was a little disappointed. I didn't feel like we were seeing a lot of Texas in the women's coverage. Um, yeah, I did catch that. Yeah. It's kind of odd. Um, but, and that was leading into the, to the A&M match. Obviously they showed some of the shots down the stretch, but I, I was, you know, so much of it was about Rose Zhang and what Stanford was doing. And by the way, uh, congratulations to Sadie Engelman. Um, another, another big point to bring up here, Carl. Uh, Sadie Engelman was on that Stanford team that was, you know, number one in the nation. They had, they had, uh, Megagon and uh and Rose Zhang and and Sadie Sadie went to Westlake um, mm-hmm. and they lost uh incredibly lost in the um uh quarters or semis semis I think and um but Sadie uh just went 72-69 into a playoff at Common Ground Golf Course in Colorado to claim second place in the playoff and she will play in the US Women's Open in July at Pebble Beach as will uh, Anderson High School and future Texas women's golfer Farah O'Keefe, who also qualified for the U.S. Women's Open. She did it at Indian Creek Golf Club in Carrollton. So two local uh, products that are going to play in the U.S. Open that that continue to play great golf. Congratulations to both. It's you know Sadie's career has she she's been on that trajectory. She's she's been really good. Farah has too, and it's just that she's done it at Anderson High School, so not a lot of people are familiar with it yet. But she's she's had some big moments already on the LPGA Tour and on now now going to the U.S. Women's Open. So congratulations to both of them, Carl. All of this was leading to as we talk about Texas golf, just an interesting uh, tidbit from this weekend at the Memorial on Friday. I'm sorry, on Thursday, uh, Dylan Fratelli uh, started. Par, 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 bogey, bogey, birdie. He was uh, one over through six, made a bogey and a par. So he's two over through eight. And then he went through a stretch where he went double bogey, triple bogey, triple bogey, double bogey, bogey, double bogey. Went to 15 over through 14 holes and then withdrew and he cited an illness. Um, I, I only bring this up. Uh, there were, believe me, there were some, there were some incredible scores from that first round. Uh, Chad yeah. Ramey shot 88. Billy Horschel shot 84. Uh, we're, we're, we're seeing Francesco Molinari shot 81. There were, there were I think, seven guys over 80. Staggering um, stuff, yeah. Yeah, it play, and and Bill, by the way, Billy Horschel was super emotional about it after he's fighting back tears. He said he's just really – it's just a, it's a struggle. He's the defending champ here, and That's it's right. just a real struggle for him right now trying to figure it all out. Um, had a much better Friday, but 
listen, when it, I, I just want to touch on Dylan Fratelli for a second. And, and, you know, I've, I've talked to him in the past. He's a, he's a really good guy. And we, we talked, mm-hmm. had an interview during uh, kind of in the midst of the COVID stuff in 2020. And um, Dylan's been on the PGA tour for a while now. You don't ever really know. And, and right now I don't know. And, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him or, or anything like that. In his last 11 events, uh, he's missed nine cuts, and that includes two withdraws, uh, withdrawals. And this one was just a, a, you know, I don't, I don't know what the illness was, um, but sometimes golfers just go through it, and it could be there's something more here. There could be there's something else going on with Dylan that we don't know about. But um, when guys fight it, I think the, you know, my hope is that they've got great support around them. I know the Texas golf program has that, you know, obviously Dylan won the 2012 national championship with his 30 footer and and Jordan Spieth was on that team. And um, through the years, you meet a lot of people and hopefully Dylan has that support group that he needs right now. It could just be a swing. It could just be something simple, but sometimes you just don't know. And so I hesitate to, I feel like it's easy in this game to kind of go in on a guy and be like, well, look at Dylan. He's, you know, I saw some comments online about what, you know, some memes and gifs and stuff like that with Dylan associated with Dylan. And that's, that's the internet, whatever. Right. But, but I just think it's, it's sometimes we need to have that discussion of like, sometimes it's just something more and sometimes it's not. And, and my hope for Dylan is that it's something not, and she, he's just working through a swing and uh, working through some things and trying to fix it. But uh, if it is something else, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's got the support group around him to, to get through it. Yeah, it just tells you the nature of the game. I and mean, we all go through it. I mean, that, that that's always kind of a fool's errand to compare our games to what the pros go through. Yeah, sure. it, it's it's the same level of frustration is where the heck did it go? Because, you know, these guys are all in a groove. And with the pros, you never know if it's just temporary, fleeting, it's an injury, um, if it's just a mental thing, a, a quick fix. I mean, you think about, you know, Ben Crenshaw struggling going into the 95 Masters and his caddy just, Carl Jackson just say, it's just a little ball position tweak, you know, you're swinging fine, you know, just, you know, move the ball in your stance a little bit. And he goes, wins the Masters, you know, so it's just like from loss, but nowhere, shooting nothing, good enough to win the Masters. Yeah. You know, it just becomes one of the mythical, legendary stories of, of, of modern golf, but uh, you know, and, and then, but then you think about the times I remember a buddy texting, he was, he got to go to the open championship way back when David Duvall was remember David Duvall. There's two things we forget. <laughs> Is it when Tiger Woods was dominant, David Duvall for, for like an 18 month stretch was better. Uh-huh. Think about that. He was master of the universe and this is one of those weeks where tiger the the like tiger's past comes up because he did so many incredible Mm -hmm. things at memorial and you get to go watch all the shots there and done like to think that somebody was at any point better than him in any way i mean even you know today we obviously we know what what's happened to him in his career and where you know the injuries that he's gone through and whatever but like to think about in him Mm -hmm. i can't believe he went a week without winning like that's how yeah think back on it like that's how good he was that you would be absolutely stunned if he wasn't winning golf turn not just at the top of the leaderboard but literally winning every week and he almost won every week at one he, uh, it was it was an incredible incredible run up the you know right up through vj singh in 2004 which also was also a peak year for tiger um 
so, so it's just amazing what Tiger did, you know, even with guys having their legendary career, Phil Mickelson, the same. But I was underscoring that when not long after, Duvall lost it. And we thought, okay, well, we saw what he did in the late 90s. He's going to get it back. He's going to be that guy again. He's going, he's got to. And it was a dry, lonely trudge through the desert for, for David Duvall for a long time. And I remember, buddy, if, I don't know if it was texting or email, emailing. I don't, I don't know how we got this, but it's like, yeah, I got to go to the Open Championship, and David Duvall couldn't hit his, couldn't hit anything other than a snap hook on the driving range. He was, it wasn't nerves on on the golf course. It was like he couldn't hit a straight shot with his wedge on the driving range. And, I, and the guy just tells me about sitting there stunned, thinking what this guy was doing two, three years ago to now. It's shocking. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, you never there's always a giant asterisk when you see a pro struggle or shoot a high score, you know, you know, not, not break 80 is. Is it just a fluke? Well, most of the time probably is. Because we know what these guys are capable of. Right. But it's it's always vexing and, and confusing when you see these guys lose it for a bit or for a long time because they're, they're all so good. Yeah, it is. It's 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 crazy. Um, and. Like I said, I hope for Dylan, it's something simple and it's something it's, right. it's nothing like, you know, there's not something else going on, but um, guys fight through it. We saw, you know, we, but we've, but we've seen these Texas golfers, even when they fight through it, they stay on tour. They keep finding ways to, to, you know, keep their card and Cody Gribble and Kramer Hick- Hickok and Doug Gim and these guys that Johnny Vegas, I mean, they've been on the tour for a long time now and, and they continue to find ways to keep their card. And uh, it's, it's really impressive um, what they've been able to do. So uh, did want to bring that up uh, and, and get into that a little bit. All right, we're going to take another break. And then when we come back, we'll finish up our show. Uh, we've got a pretty good story that we want to get into about a, a girls golf team that if you haven't seen this story, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, when we come back, this is Playing Through on the Horn, brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. Bucky and Aaron. There's no expectations every year in Lubbock. There are this year. They have a veteran team with a veteran quarterback. They don't care. They do. Who's they? When you say like the fans don't care? They do, but they don't. Like I'm just saying, like they're, I don't think they bleed as hard as we do. Or who is this guy? They don't bleed as hard. You're talking what about Texas like the Aggies who are like grabbing their their, they their care junk. More. They <laughs> care more. I'm not saying they're better, but they definitely care more. You think Texas fans care more than Texas Tech fans? Yes, a hundred percent. Weekday mornings, six to ten on the Horn. The Horns text line is brought to you by Specs. Specs wide spirits and finer foods. You're on the way. Less to pay. Everyday store. Cheers to savings. Carl Nicholson, I'm Bob Ballou, Texas baseball coming up later today. Big ugly tailgate coming up next. Casey Stuttered and Johnny Rogers standing by. Um, Carl, we, we got to get into this story. Um, I, I don't know how many people actually did see it, but um, they're known as the Grinders. And if you have not heard of Macy K. Acock 
and Sarah Marshall. You need to Google one of their names uh, and, and finding Sarah Marshall obviously is the. Um, Remember that? A great, a great movie. Um, but the, the two girls are part of a golf team that basically Meredith College in Raleigh, North Carolina, you know, it's, it's a tiny school. They're trying to play in their conference tournament. They don't have enough golfers. So the coach puts out a thing. That they had some injured golfers. Some stuff happened. So he puts out a thing on campus. Hey, do you want to come play on the golf team? So these two girls show up. They know nothing about golf. I think one of them maybe had a set of golf clubs um, in their garage or grandfather did or something like that. But they had to post scores to help save the golf program or else like they basically wouldn't have qualified for anything. They would have, their season would have been over. And I just, Carl, what would you do in this situation? Like how would, how do you think you would hand now if you went into it, because again, it's important to you because you play college golf. Like I'm a, let's say I'm a division three golfer. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going out to play in the, in the conference tournament. It's important to me. Like I'm, just because it's division three and it's what it like, it's still important to me. Oh, no, it's very serious. I sat on a call with like, again, my college golf experience people, they're like, Oh yeah. It, Emory is the di- di- division. They're, they're the Alabama football of division three. They take it very seriously. Like you, it doesn't even come up on your newsfeed. I'm sure. And you're a golf junkie like me, but right. Yeah. So you're kind of in this mode of like, it's important to me. I get to the course, I warm up and then, I get paired alongside a girl who's never played golf before. So I think at first you'd probably be pretty sympathetic to it. And then you saw her play her first hole and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. So the two girls shot, one of them shot 158, which is a large score, but to be honest, kind of manageable. That's only eight or nine shots a hole. I say only just in the sense of like, it's, um, you can get through that. Like you can, you can find a way to get through that, whatever. The other girl shot 276. And that's 15 shots per hole, Carl. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how you manage that, but to everyone's credit, and I'm sure there were some people perturbed. I'm, I'm sure it was, but to everyone's credit, they got through that the first day. The next day they came back and the girl that shot 276 shot 199. So she improved her score by 77 shots. That's amazing. They ended up helping save this golf program. I think it's a great story. It's it's amazing. It's amazing what showing up can do. You know, we talk about volunteerism. You and I talk about the ALS term, but it's amazing what you can accomplish by just being there, being that person when there needs to be that person. So, so yeah. So, so maybe they, this draws attention. Maybe some of those scholarships, you know, that they have available go to players that didn't know this school existed or know this opportunity existed and they have a good program. Maybe they, maybe they are competitive in this event in the not too distant future. It's amazing. My only frame of reference for, for that is I did play. um, We were in a very good football conference in HISD when I played, when I played high school golf, uh, which means they just had to recruit golfers from just anywhere from places like Booker T, Washington, Cashmere, Yates, Yates that won the state championship not too long before I uh, was playing against them in golf. Uh, I scored a, a gentleman 
uh, round in the, in the district tournament way back. He shot a 161. That's an 81-80 with a two on the 15th hole. He birdied a 177-yard par three. I think my wife did that. She she actually went out and played golf for the first time in a long time. This is a couple of years ago. And she did that. She oh, Actually, she made a par. But she parred the ninth hole at Twin Creeks and made a, you know, 10 on every other hole. But it, and then and then she was like, "Oh, really? You made a four there today? Like that's what she did she <laughs> all the time. Like, oh, you double bogeyed, you double bogeyed nine. That's weird. I part it. And I'm like, okay. So. <laughs> but I, I just I, I think it's just if you, if you if you haven't seen it, go look up Meredith College Golf. It's a Golf Digest story, but it's a, it's just a great story. It's a it's they they're going to continue to try to improve. They want to be on the team next year if they can. Um, they, they want, like, they want to get better. And I think that's what made this whole thing so cool is like, they, they had never played golf before. And then they played and they're like, yeah, this could be really fun. This could be a story. And there, listen, there was one point where people were saying stuff to them on the course and they like both went into the bathroom and they were crying. And a mom from the other team came over and consoled them and like got them back up and going again. Like that's gotta be really hard. So I, I was really impressed with the whole thing. I thought it was no, really that's the amazing, the amazing thing. Yeah. I mean, they're a great story and they're a catalyst for what could be, but think of the kids that shoot 76, 78, 79, or even in the mid eighties in high school tournaments and think it's over. Yeah. Go to Meredith, break 90 and be on the team, get, be on the bus, get some logo gear, have, yep. have a, have a different college experience than you would have by just going to Texas state, like all your buddy. I mean, I, I think it's it's an amazing world out there if you open up your eyes to to the possibilities. I mean, these guys just sent out was it a broadcast email or some some signs on a bulletin board to get yeah. people to try to try to play on the to save the golf team. It's all it takes. It's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. These two girls did it. So congratulations to uh, to Sarah and uh, the and everyone on that on that golf team. I you know it's, that's that's a pretty cool story to to get to go through that. Um, all right, Carl. I didn't, I didn't, um, no, go ahead. No, I, I I didn't think I would hear scores higher than that one sixty one that I, I scored for that that young gentleman that uh, way back when it was <laughs> that shooting it, yeah and of course probably uh, at the college golf level a much diff- more difficult golf course than 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 we were playing back then I, I would assume that was the case too if you're talking about forest carries and water hazards I don't I I have to take, I have to take a look deeper look at Shane Ryan's story and see right. see the kind of course that they played but. There's probably some of that involved. Let me ask you this. Just... This is probably just as good a question. Let's say there, there, the water hazards weren't there because that's, you know, that's going to be the tough part. Is is if you got to get over a water hazard and you're terrible at golf, how do you do that? But, um, Carl, do you think if the, if there were if there were no water hazards and you could just you play, you found a course that didn't have that, do you, or even so, do you think you could use your putter and break two seventy six? I my putter used to go like in the low one twenties back when I used to goof around and hit it. So, so with technology, maybe it might go a little farther. So okay, so if they, assuming I could hit it straight, one twenty, I could probably. <laughs> and you're gonna have to putt around bunkers at some point. So I would, right. if you could. Tri- so what's 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 a triple? What's what's three? What's triple bogey every hole? Uh, just eight. What would that be? Let's say eighteen. So you would be seven, more or more or less. That's only one twenty-six. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I'd break one fifty. I just wondered if at some point they said that, like, why don't you just hit your like if you found you could hit your wedge or punch a putter or whatever it is, like, do you just do that? 
Well, that's what that's what member the the world's worst avid golfer, but way back in the eighties, Angelo Spagnolo. That's what he did around seventeen at Sawgrass. He eventually just used putter. That was horrible to watch. I think, I think he shot, he shot close to three hundred. I think. Oh, that's brutal. All right, Carl. Uh, great way to finish talking about using our putter around a golf course because we're this bad. Uh, it happens though. <laughs> it might come to that. It comes to that sometimes. That one day, yeah. Uh, Carl, always enjoy it. Uh, look forward to doing it again next week. Look forward to it. It's been a blast, Bob. It's good getting back in the groove. Talk to you next week. Excited right. about it. Sounds good. Yep. Uh, Texas baseball coming up later today here on the horn. Greg Way in Miami. Oh, I'd like to be in Miami. That'd be nice right good now. for him, right? I mean, for for all the assignments you get when you when when you get Ames in the winter and you you know, what what's the run you guys you you and Barker had there where it was Yeah, we had Des Moines, Kansas City. It was a great run. So you get Coral Gables every once in a while. Nobody's going to begrudge you that because nice. they know where you've been. It's nice. Uh, thank you guys always for, for listening to us and being a part of this one. He is Carl Mickelson. I'm Bob Ballou. This is Playing Through on the Horn brought to you by Horseshoe Bay Resort. So long, Go out and make a bunch of birdies, everyone. I know you ain't.